Well, welcome back to our study in 1 John. And I just got to say, Mark, you're looking rather chipper today. You feeling pretty good? I'm, I'm feeling great yeah. because this is a first take. <laughs> and so he's got the smile yeah, on his face. I, still, I, folks. This is a first take. It's been a good weekend. We've had good worship service, had good company in, some family. Yeah. And so uh, it's just been a great weekend. <laughs> He's smiling now. Yes. We know when it's the second take, don't we? This is not it. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but to everyone out there, thank you so much for uh, joining us again. Uh, received some correspondence this week. Had some good suggestions that came from uh, Brother Gerald. And I'll share some of those notes with you uh, here in a moment. But uh, we're in 1 John chapter 2. And we're really getting into the meat of it now. Yes. And uh, what we find here is John is addressing Christians in a very personal way. At the beginning of chapter 2, he says, my little children. And what we're actually going to get into today is he's going to speak to children, fathers, and young men. Uh, he's going to become very, very pointed, but yet at the same time loving yes. uh, as he's speaking. I think it's the loving the, that yes. we need to emphasize here. Because he, we're going to see in chapter 2, he is, he is outlining for these Christians how special they are. Yeah. And because I think the Gnostics are trying to, to identify them as not being so special. You're not as special as we are because right. we have more knowledge. And John's going to take this chapter 2 to say, no, you are extremely special and you're going to see why you're special. And so we, last week, uh, really got into the idea of Jesus, our advocate, and looked at our Lord. Uh, today, we're just going to pick it up in verse 7, and this is what we covered just briefly at the end of our last conversation with you. But from verse 7, I see from verse 7 to verse 27, he's presenting three tests to the brethren. Uh, the first is a moral test. He's going to speak to them about obedience. Uh, so in your relationship with the Lord... If you're going to have a relationship, there there is going to be that test of obedience. And then secondly, there is a social test, as we see, and that is loving your brethren uh, and loving the brethren. And then in verses 18 to 27 here of chapter 2, the doctrinal test, belief. And I and, and in that specific point, we're actually going to get into the Antichrist yes. uh, for the first time. And I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So let's just begin reading. And I'll read uh, verses 7 here through 11. Behold, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Hence that second test we talked about. Yes. This is that social test. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Gnosticism, elitism, the separation that is taking place among many brethren. Uh, on their mind yeah. is that maybe we're not as good as we should, or this 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 brother over here seems to have something against me. 
um, he thinks he's smarter than I am. And so I, I, I'm feeling less liked, less wanted. Uh, and that's what the Gnostics wanted you to feel. And what John is saying, no, 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 no. The, one of the last things our, our Lord told us as apostles was, you're going to love one another like I loved you. Uh, we've had the old commandment uh, since we've had the Old Testament right. was love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's all through the Old Testament. I am saying to you there's a more intensity because I'm going to show you the love I have for you. I'm going to die for you. Now, you're going to have to love your brethren that same way. Uh, if we're going to be in the light, that Jesus is the light. He has shown us what love is all about. And now we cannot identify a brother and say, you're less than I am. So, no, you're, you love your brother, and we've got to be very careful because we don't love. I see in these passages, you get into that hate situation, and we've got to be careful with that. Yeah. Well, if you look at it from the three tests we mentioned a moment ago, is if you're not obeying the Lord, well, clearly there is a moral test that you're failing there. Obedience, uh, not perfection, but uh, obedience is certainly part of our relationship. And then our relationship with our brethren is so important. And, and you know, the new commandment, uh, you kind of think back to Jesus with the disciples in the upper yes. room that from John where he washes their feet and then talks about a new commandment I yes. give you. Uh, love one another in the prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer in John 17, uh, the emphasis that he prays that they be unified, uh, that the world may see that, that they are one. And so you, you can see and hear, I think, in John kind of a, uh, well, a man after 60 years of ministry whose heart's breaking seeing brethren divided. Yes, and, and that's what we have. We're going to have little children all through John, First John. Mm -hmm. And I think that address primarily is not going to be a chronological thing in that sense. It's a spiritual, I am your father spiritually. <laughs> you are my children uh, in the Lord in that sense. I have brought you along and I'm treating you as family, but primarily spiritually speaking as children. I I am so concerned about you, and I love you so much in that parent type of feeling uh, for them spiritually. And so he addresses them as little children. Well, and so let's just read on then. Uh, very interesting section. Uh, we're in chapter 2 now, verses 12 uh, and following, going through uh, really verse 14. And uh, in many of our Bibles, this little section is italicized or brought in. Uh, it's, it's almost as if Paul... And Paul, is if John is digressing just a moment, and he's still on point, but let me just share these specific uh, admonitions to you, speaking to you in a family relationship. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because... You have overcome the evil one. And then now he goes back to children. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. He, he is emphasizing here, 
a, a relationship with them and how they should be considering themselves. I think with the fathers, he's more likely uh, referring to mature Christians, very mature mm -hmm. Christians who've been in the faith for some period of time. And look what they've done. I mean, they've known about Christ from their beginning as far as uh, their spiritual path. And you've heard about him, and you've heard about him. Some of us have even seen him, but this is your maturity we're talking about here. Well, you young men, you haven't had quite the maturity uh, that the older members have had, but look what you've done. You've overcome you've, evil. You've, you've overcome, overcome evil. even. Mm -hmm. So we're, I'm emphasizing you beginning in verse 12 all the way through the rest of the chapter, your importance in Christ. Right. You need to stay there. You cannot be influenced by these Gnostics who are coming at you with a totally erroneous uh, type of relationship. You are where you need to be. Look what you've done. Uh, don't minimize that. You've overcome the evil one. Uh, you've known Christ from the beginning of your relationship. Don't let somebody now come by and tell you you don't know really Christ like yeah. you're supposed to. He's saying, no, you do. So the mature Christian, you know you should be comfortable where you are. And you younger Christians who've been in the battle, you, look what you've overcome. Don't right. lose that. Don't lose, don't lose that. Well, and you look at it, it's a list of seven things that really all of us in our walk with the Lord should be confident in. Our sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is eternal from the beginning, and we've known him a long time. We've overcome the evil one. You just by becoming a Christian and confessing faith helps. That's overcoming the evil that's one. Right. Uh, we know the Father. I, I find that interesting. You notice here he says, you, you, you know the Father. That, that's the Greek word gnosko. You yeah. come to experience yes. a relationship with the Father. You gnosko or know Jesus again. Yes. And then you are strong. Uh, th don't let somebody minimize your, strength. your spiritual strength. Don't, don't fall into the trap of somebody telling you, well, you're not as spiritual as I am yes. or you're not as strong as I am. And, and, and more than anything, when he gets to the end of it here, the la very last thing is, do you young men who are growing and are strong, the word of God abides in yes. you. Yes. You know, don't the, minimize that. Don't you? I'm going to let you know, and from verses 18 on, just how special you are, and so don't don't lose that relationship because somebody's telling you, and you now wonder: right. Am I really not where I'm supposed to be, or am I not special with Christ? Do I have to start doing what uh, these Gnostics want me to do to be a special person? These men must have been very powerful, very persuasive, the Gnostics. They may have had a silver tongue and could really uh, spread their gossip. And so they were influencing the brethren. Well, you know, if we can just sidetrack for just a moment and pastor to pastor. Uh, I mean, how many times have you had people come to you feeling like, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. So-and-so over here is doing all this. I'm not doing enough, or I'm feeling intimidated because I'm not. There's a point where we've got to what, stop. Yes. Just stop. Don't compare yourself to the world, and don't let other people get into your head. No. 
let the word abide in you, you know, and every single one of us have differing abilities. I mean, the scripture tells us that. That's what we have in scripture. Uh, I may be able to do something that you cannot do, but you may be able to do something that I cannot do. Uh, I am rejoicing in what you can do. You rejoice in what I can do. And what do we have in 1 Corinthians? Then we have a body that sustains itself because you can do your thing. I can do my thing. <laughs> I can and, look. The and, feet can walk. The hands right. can serve. Hey, you know. And so now we make the, up the body. Yeah. And so we should never minimize anybody in Scripture about capabilities or abilities. And apparently these Gnostics were doing just that sort of thing. It, elitism is kind elitism. of what it is spiritually. And so now he really gets into it in verses 15 to 17. And more than likely you've heard this your whole life. But... It is so powerful. It's the sometimes described the three temptations of sin. All temptation can be, be lumped into three categories here. Here's what he says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Here's that abide again. Yeah. We've had it up here, abiding in the light. Here you've got abides forever. We're going to have the word abide, abide, abide in these next few verses. So he's wanting these brethren to stay in the Lord. Right. And I'm guessing here in these passages, what we have are the Gnostics saying, I, I don't have any commandments anymore. I am above that. So I can do anything I want to. The world is out there for me to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And what John is saying, Satan is the prince of the world. He's the one controlling the world. Uh, this term world here has a negative connotation. Yeah, this is not good world. No, no. This, is, this, this is, is not just... There's a lot that we can do in the world that's good. Sure. Uh, and enjoy when he starts to use the term world, he's he's comparing that then to your spiritual well-being. You've got evil world and you've got good spirit and you cannot be on the side of the world and thinking you're going to uh, make Jesus proud of you or you can be in the Lord and still enjoy the world. You cannot do that. You notice the three things we mentioned earlier uh, that John highlights here. Desires of the flesh, lusting after things that are fleshly, things that are just of the world, uh, the desires of the eyes. Uh, even Jesus talks about that a lot in the Sermon on the Mount, you know. Uh, and then if your eye causes you to sin, plug it out. Certainly, you see that seek ye first the kingdom of God, you know. Our eye, our eye is the pathway straight to our heart. And so uh, you got to be careful. And then the pride, the pride of life. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining and seeing a lot of pride in the Gnostics. Uh, did a little word study on the word pride there. Most often it is referring to boastful pride. Uh, the idea of empty talk, somebody trusting in oneself for their own power. And that is easily the first step to walking away from the Lord is feeling overconfident in you. Yes. And your confidence is in you. In, instead of the grace of Jesus. And in this section, too, you mentioned it when we first started this little point. The abiding is in the word. 
So he's kind of gone from a lot of light in the first beginning, really from the beginning to verse 11 of chapter 2. Now he's a lot of words. So you see truth. There is a standard to follow. Yes. And, and, and we are to be abiding in it. Abide home. Yes. Abode. Yes. It is your home. It dwells in you. So do not love the world. That's the love that God hates. The yes. love for the world. Uh, in fact, you could also make the point, you ever use this and look back to Eve and the fruit, you know. Same thing. Saw, yeah. you know, desiring to make one wise, appealing yeah. to pride. You can you can see those temptations. That's right. And right it looked good. It looked good. Eyes. It looked good. Yeah, it's all there. All right, let's get to the fun part. <laughs> well, it's all been fun. But yeah. I want to hear your thoughts here because this is the one that a lot of people struggle with, especially when they hear this, Antichrist. What exactly does it mean? So let's look at it. Children, we begin again. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us and were not from us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you've been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know truth, but because you do know it, and because no lies of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, that you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us. Eternal life. All right. To me, he answered the question in the text. He does. Well, who and what is the Antichrist? I think we have to, you've got to go back to what Christ said to these apostles at one time. He, he used the term Antichrist. There's going to be, come, sure. there's going to be people coming, uh, and this was going to be just about the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. There's going to be some Antichrist coming. But he described the Antichrist at that time as being people calling themselves Christ. Right. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus. Speaking, yes, yeah. there'd be some who are claiming to claiming be the Messiah. Claiming to be Jesus, but this is not, not the, the Messiah, so this is really against right. the Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we got to be careful. I don't think that's what he's talking about right. here. That was Jesus that, referring to That was to Jesus referring to the Antichrist. Well, then you have Paul beginning to talk about an apostasy and an Antichrist right. coming uh, or And so there was going to come a time that apostasy was going to come into the church. And what John is saying, this is beginning. It's it. This is beginning. And it's not just one. No. It's, it's whoever preaches against Christ or says evil things against Christ is the Antichrist. And so we are now beginning to experience that. So... There's been some misapplication of this last hour. Well, John must have been an alarmist. Yeah. Uh, and P or Paul was an alarmist. We're in the last days. Uh, John is in the last hours. Um, Christ tells us we're in the last, last times. Yeah. The last dispensation. Well, I think that's what he's talking about here. 
whether you talk talk about day, hour, uh, time, whatever, we are now there. We are in uh, the last dispensation. We're here. And we have Antichrist to prove that because they're coming out speaking against the Christ. So it is happening. And in fact, you guys have experienced it. Your own brethren right. were doing this to you, talking against Christ. And now they've gone out from us, the Gnostics, uh, and I'm happy they've gone out because we really need for that to happen. But it's happening. The, the last hours are here. We're in the last hours today. We continue to be in the last hour. We just need to understand that. Well, and I'm sure everybody out there has heard and read literature, religious literature, people trying to uh, interpret the Apocrypha uh, in last times. And you hear the Antichrist, one big Antichrist, one. Well, no, John, as he talks about the Antichrist, just says it's one who denies Christ. That's an Antichrist. Yes. And it's not just one. He says there's many and they've already come. And I kind of think he's pointing to some Gnostic brethren here who deny the deity of Jesus. And he's telling brethren, there's Antichrist among us. Yes. Right now. At least they were. Yeah. And and I'm trying to convince you all not to be part of that. And now I'm I'm going to be telling you why you shouldn't be part of that. And something else that's really, to me, interesting, especially in this portion of the text where he talks about Antichrist we had at the beginning of chapter 2, Jesus described as our advocate, our defender. Yeah. Uh, he is the one who is there as our counselor before the Father. In verse 20, he refers to him as the Holy One. He is the one from God. He is not just our advocate. He is our priest, the one who is set apart for us. Uh, and Well, let's not ignore what that... Holy One does for us. Uh, we're talking now about you being special. The right. Gnostic has been saying right. to you, you're not really special because you're not as smart as I am uh, about God. He's saying to you, remember, you have an anointing. You have been set apart. You have been identified. Right. You have been anointed. So you've had received an anointment. Now we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But you're special. Right. We're special. And you have knowledge. Yes. Don't and then he's going to go on and say here, you already know. I don't need to be telling you. So he's already saying to you, this knowledge that you have, it might be less in some cases. But what he's to me saying to me to, to me here is, if you know that Jesus is the Christ, right. the Son of God, and you know that he's come down from heaven, and you know that he has died for you, you now have the knowledge that you need to have to abide in the Holy One. Don't make it any harder than it is. Don't make it any harder than it is. And you've been anointed. You've been set apart. You've been identified. Now, whatever, what do you think that identity is? What do you think that anointment is? I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's the idea of, well, when somebody was anointed, they were given privilege. Yeah. Uh, they, they were given a place. They were given a position. They were set somewhere by the providence of God. You know, you think of anointing kings. Anointing. Yeah. In, in this sense, though, he's anointing those who believe in him. Yes. And you have the knowledge that you need. There is a Lord. He died for your sins. You believe in him. You trust in his word. Don't let the world get in your head. In fact, here's how he's concluded it. You already alluded to this. Verses 26 and 27. I write these things to you 
that those who are trying to deceive you, uh, about those, sorry, I write these things to you, about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. You know, really, we're, we're anointed every single time we get in this and let this guide us. And, and again, he's taking us back to abiding in him, abide in his word, abide in his commands. Trust the Lord. Don't be letting men in the world confuse you. You're going to have some people take this anointing as being someone specific, mm -hmm. um, potentially being the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to deny that. I, I think the Holy Spirit abides in us. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given him as a pledge. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That certainly should make you feel special. But as you get then into uh, verse 27, it says this anointing abides in you and you do not need to be taught because it is teaching you. How today are we taught? Well, if we're taught by the Holy Spirit, how are we taught? It's through his word. And so what's abiding in us and this anointing has to at least involve the word of God. Sure. And it is abiding in us. We're special people. The Lord has made you special by you identifying yourself with him. He's made you special. You've been marked. Uh, and whether it's indwelling of spirit or not, whether the spirit was involved in this anointing, if in the New Testament time, how did they receive the word in the New Testament time? It was through revelation by yeah. the Holy Spirit. But how do we receive it today? It's through the word that the Holy Spirit has given to us. So the Holy Spirit may be involved, but the word of God is well, what's dwelling in us it, as well. That's just the whole point, though. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the one who delivers us the word. Exactly. And, and even here, his point is that the Son and the Father abide in you yes. because this truth is in you. B you know, because so. this truth is in you. So Godhead abides in us. Right. And through his word. And so, uh, yes, I believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But but it's not but, like you're getting a different no, message than I'm not, than I'm I'm not getting. getting a different message yeah. than you. The Holy Spirit's message to us today is through the word. He, he's delivered us the word. So, yes, I, I believe in the indwelling. I am led by the Holy Spirit. But he's leading me through his word. That he's given to us. Well, and I think, again, that goes back to, to John's big point is these Gnostics who claim to have this special knowledge, yeah. they don't. They do They not. don't have anything more than you have. If you're in the Word, you've got all you need. They don't have as much as you do yeah. because he's saying to you. <laughs> they're denying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're denying that. He, he's yeah. saying to you, you have the knowledge you need because you believe yeah. in Christ. You believe in his resurrection. You believe that he's the Son of God. You are infinitely more qualified than they are. Yeah. And so accept that. Well, and there should be confidence there. Yeah, and this is probably that's a good, the point. And this is a good place for us to leave it because beginning in verse 28, he segues into hope. Yes. And hope is a solid confidence. So how about we just kind of leave it right here? I'm a confident person. I am a confident person when I read verse 27. Yeah. You ought to be. We should be, ought to be. extremely confident because we have the word of God abiding in us. And be confident in your relationship with the Lord. Yes. You know, and, and, and I think that's 
Definitely the if, message. If you cannot feel special after you read verses 18 through 27, I'm not sure how you could be made to feel special yeah. otherwise. Well, really, you are a special people. Really going back to verse 12 when he gets into father, sons, yes. and young men. Yes. You know, or children, uh, fathers, and young men. So great stuff, powerful stuff. Anything else you want to add there? Because you're getting me so excited. I'm about to ready to jump in 28, and we don't no, need to do no, that. we don't need to do that. all right Uh, man thank you for joining us Uh, real quick just to kind of wrap us up here for everybody in our family in Christ uh, we had our largest crowds ever uh, ever since the whole pandemic began let's put it that way Uh, 75 at uh, 830 hour that's a big crowd and then 182 something at the uh, uh, 10 o'clock hour, and so things are going well. And 75 streaming, so, so something of that nature. So right. we we had a good accumulative number there. Yeah. So once again, as always, reach out to us. Uh, share your thoughts on the study. If there's anything we need to be doing for you and your family spiritually or helping you, or if you've got any just suggestions for getting us all back together, any of your thoughts. Uh, I know Mark and I can certainly uh, speak on behalf of Mark and Bruce that uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on those things. But it's good to see so many coming back. Saw a bunch of new faces Sunday, yes, too. it was wonderful. And seen in a it while. It was wonderful. So that was wonderful. And it's good study today. Yes, it is. All right. You're still smiling. Yes. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be <laughs> there when I go behind that camera and we find out. So <laughs> yes. anything else you want to add? No, I think that's good. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us. God bless. Good night. <laughs>